0: Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Cole, Director of Public Affairs. Today we're going to talk with B.J. Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs, about all of the bills that he is currently working on over at the state capitol. There's a lot of things really moving quickly now that the state legislature is getting close to the end of its session. So let's get started. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Programs, and BJ's been extremely busy the past few weeks with so much going on at the state capitol. We have about a month left in the legislative session, and uh, there have been a number of different things actually getting some traction
1: over there. So BJ, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a busy time. I can't remember exactly when I was last. I think it was around spring break time or so. But yeah, it's been a busy time. Uh, as the days get longer, it seems like so do the session days. So it's yeah. been... A, been a busy time in the capital. Not, that's no doubt. Not as much sleep lately. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure.
0: Well, let's get right into it. Then, uh, the, one of the issues you've been tracking and working hard on is this issue relating to the taxation of wind farms. Can you tell us what's going on with that issue right now?
1: Yeah, um, our members will be glad to know that it does appear the legislature is poised to do something on that. Um, as with most things that make it to the capital, you would be, su- you won't, shouldn't be surprised. Um, It's more complicated than it would seem. You Mm -hmm. can't just say, hey, we're going to tax this differently. Uh, Just a quick recap, um, our members and a lot of people around the state were interested in making sure that the taxation of wind farms stays local to the jurisdictions that are holding those wind farms. Um, So that sounds simple. Let's just make sure the taxes stay there. Well, when you start writing language, that that becomes a little more difficult. The good news is everybody seems to be on the same page, that Mm -hmm. we want to accomplish that goal. Um, the wind energy folks, the utility folks in the state are all on the same page. Um, we're just trying to make sure we get to the same place uh, and do it correctly. Uh, the good thing is, both bills have passed their original House. So the House bills out of the House and the Senate bills out of the Senate. Um, And so we're close to getting those done. We're just trying to find the right language to make sure that fits. Now, um, I'm not every day making sure that because I'm no tax law expert, uh, but just there helping to make sure that we're all on the same page and still going the same direction. It seems like that's where we are. At this point, um, there is some language looking at making sure the assessments stay normal. Um, and that they're not uh, different across the state, um, and then just making sure that that local impact stays local as intended. Um, the good news is we're getting close. Um, the bad news is there's only a few weeks left, but I mm-hmm. do think it's one of those things everybody wants to get done, so we probably see it here in the next week or two.
0: Good deal, and that one is uh, something that's been led by uh, Representative Ellen Andrews from Worth County and then Senator Cynthia Laughlin from Shelby County, so we do appreciate the Help that they've had on uh, getting that issue some attention and moving those bills forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They have been um, integral to the discussion and been very interested and in active participants. So we really appreciate their help.
0: Yeah. And the, the other, the, the next issue that we wanted to cover is the initiative petition reform. And that's um, an item that we've talked about for quite a while on the program as well. And uh, we saw a little bit of movement on um, SJR 1, which was David Sater, the senator from um, Southwest Missouri, Cassville, Barry County area. Uh, Where do we stand with that?
1: Yeah, made it to the Senate floor, looking at making sure that all congressional districts were a part of the signature gathering process. Um, And his bill also um, increased the vote threshold for for passage to amend the Constitution. Um, And so that's a very complicated conversation. As you know, there's lots of different opinions uh, on those issues. Um, but made it to the floor, got some floor time, got some pretty healthy debate there for a while, um, and then ultimately was laid over. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that conversation ends up. On the House side, in the last couple weeks, we've had some very active weeks on initiative petition reform as well, uh, where the House committees um, took up several bills relating to initiative petitions. And interesting, they were looking at the same issues. They were looking at how many counties or, or how many parts of the state were involved in the signature gathering process, and then what should that vote threshold be in order to amend our Constitution mm-hmm. now some people believe it should be pretty easy to amend the Constitution that that is the citizens way to regress their government uh, and on the other hand some feel as our members came to us after the last election said hey we're using this process quite a bit um, now where do we get as far as session goes I wouldn't want to guess at this point it is a heavy conversation it's not mm-hmm. easy there's lots of strong opinions on that Um, But it is something we're still paying a lot of attention to. And we do know that at the very least, we should make sure that all congressional districts are a part of the signature gathering process. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear it said that um, if you're wanting to get an initiative on the ballot, you can do it in three to four counties in the state. Um, so that's really not having the whole state as a part of that gathering process, yeah. which when you talk to proponents of initiative petitions, they say that's the vetting process. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's changing these things through that part, but we're vetting it around the state and making sure there's widespread belief in this. Well, if you're only going to a few counties, you're definitely not seeing widespread belief. Yeah, you're not or, getting the full picture of how the the
0: totality of Missouri's voters feel about
1: something. And that's exactly right. So uh, we think there's some um, some realistic changes that could be made there um, and hope that the legislature would continue to look at that issue. We do know there's a lot on their plate, but that is something we would still like to see come up quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and then a similar issue that has a lot of the same uh, arguments on, on the, both sides of it, Uh, as the initiative petition reform is the redistricting proposals that have been floating around both sides of the Capitol. Um, Extremely controversial to maybe reopen that process after we just changed it uh, in this past election with the Clean Missouri Amendment 1 proposal. So uh, where does this uh, stand right now?
1: Yeah, so uh, last week in committee, we or not this past week, um, but the week before, we had a lengthy conversation about redistricting reform. Looking at bills, To basically look at what was done in clean Missouri related to the redistricting process and go back to the old process. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of belief around the state that what happened with clean Missouri was there was a lot of ethics changes and things that had widespread belief around the state to get rid of. Um, lobbyist gifts and to put uh, limits on giving to campaigns and other things to clean up politics around the state. And then there was this redistricting measure that may not really have related to the rest, but was enough to to convince people to vote for the measure. Mm -hmm. They wanted the ethics changes. They didn't really care about the redistricting part. Yeah, they kind
0: of sweetened the pot and put a bunch of candy in the front of the bill and then uh, in the back, tagged on the redistricting thing, which was probably the, well, almost undoubtedly, undoubtedly the the most important part of it as far as how much it impacts the future.
1: Yeah, as far as impact on the state, there's no doubt that that will be the biggest impact on the state. Interestingly enough, during the hearing when we were talking about these issues, um, there were several that just said, "Let's give it one time and let it have a try." <laughs> well, that's a <laughs> okay. that's a ten year impact on the yeah. state. We don't get another chance to try again. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us like ourselves at Farm Bureau who feel like drawing districts for competitiveness um would drastically shift the balance towards the populated areas um it's just going to dilute the rural impact in the state of missouri and so uh, we don't want to give it a try we think it is something we should focus on and take up we're glad to see a session is moving along um both sides are looking at that issue um and, and trying to uh Trying to see what can be done about that and and interestingly enough they're looking at ethics changes um you know there was a five dollar gift limit Mm -hmm. if zero is better than five why did we put it at five you Mm -hmm. know so there's other some some other changes that could be made in there um that would also affect the ethics of the state and make sure we're all on the same page Um, but then also give the state a reason to go out and say we really wanted that redistricting part Or we were more interested in uh, making sure legislators didn't become lobbyists right after they left office or making sure that, you know, lobbyists weren't buying steak dinners for for legislators. So um, a great opportunity, Um, just kind of like an initiative petition, like you said, when we started this part is uh, difficult conversation. It definitely cuts often along party lines, but not necessarily. There's some within the minority caucuses that feel like this is also going to be hurtful um, to those from the inner cities that come from minority districts uh, because you can make the argument they're not necessarily competitive right now either. Um, So it'll be a very – Interesting conversation over these next couple weeks, and I do think that will be a large part of the conversation Mm -hmm. over these next few weeks. You
0: think that's going to make it to the finish line? Is that going to be something that gets to the voters?
1: Does it make it to the finish line this year? um, I don't know, but I do think there'll be a big push in these last four weeks um, to get that done.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a lot of people that are very interested in making that happen, so uh,
0: we shall see how it plays out. Well, something that does seem a little bit um, more likely to get to that finish line maybe is the um, the creation of a prescription drug monitoring program. Yep. Um, that is something that our our members just adopted as policy here in uh, December at our annual meeting and something that's been discussed a ton over the past few years at, at the state capitol. Um, wh- what do you think? Is it actually going to get to that finish line?
1: You know, th- It's it's 75 percent of the way there. Mm -hmm. It passed the House. It made it through Senate committee. It now is sitting on the calendar for Senate floor debate.
0: It's further along than most things are. Yes, exactly. (laughs)
1: If you look at a scale of things, it you know, it's likely to pass. Mm -hmm. But in reality, is it going to pass? We sure hope so, Mm -hmm. Um, because we think it would play a large role in fighting the opioid epidemic. Um, We think that doctors shouldn't have to play detective when they're um, making um, suggestions for people's health. They shouldn't have to try to figure out if you're doctor shopping or if you actually have a need. They should be able to see that information. Um, But it still faces the same barriers that it has faced in the past. Mm -hmm. The number one opponent of it is no longer in the Senate, but there are still people that come from the conservative point of view that are worried about a database with this kind of information in it, just to be completely honest. Um, They see it as an overreach of government. Um, They compare Missouri to the other states and say, well, we're the last one without a PDMP, but we're not the worst one in opioid deaths. Well, I think that's a silly argument because yeah. I think, well, if there's one and we could do something to do better, we should probably do that. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes, somehow, that's used against us as we're not the worst in opioids, so we must be better than some. Yeah. Um, I think we should not still strive argument. to do better. Uh, a, few, a couple of holes in that logic yeah, there, but uh, I think so. You know. But you'd be surprised how many times you hear that around the Capitol as mm-hmm. one of the number one reasons not to do this. Yeah. Um, but will it get there? Um, I'd say it's. 60% chance of passage at this point. Okay. Um, I know that the, the Senate leadership wants to see it get done. There's supporters at the upper levels of Senate leadership, um, and it's in the balls in their court, um, but the conservative caucus in the Senate is opposed to it. Um, so we'll see if they can come to a compromise that works for both sides or if it ends up being leveraged against something else or if it just ends up like sometimes it has in the past where it's put off to another year. Mm -hmm. We hope that it doesn't get put off, though. We think that it's something we should take up and join the 49 other states and Puerto Rico in providing doctors with this information um, and try to get it done.
0: And Holly Rader is the representative from the House side that has been carrying that. She's from Scott County and has been a champion of this, a very good spokeswoman for it for several years. So she uh, is a good person to have on, uh, on the side of this bill and hopefully can, uh, can get it across that finish line. Right. Um, another issue that has been uh, very strongly championed, I think, by um, some southern Missourians, some uh, a Boot Hill native, and uh, someone from south central Missouri is the broadband issue. We've had uh, Don Roan and Hannah Kelly. Um, both give that some help to push it along. Um, we believe that that's something that um, could could really use some additional help from the state in the budget process, and uh, we got a lot of action last year getting the, uh, the broad Office of Broadband set up and getting the fund set up to put money into it. You think we're going to get some of that uh, actually funded this year in the budget?
1: Well, I'm hopeful, yeah, and I think we will. Um, we, were, we were very happy to see, um, after some really uh, diligent work by Representative Kelly, um, to see s- 2.5 million included in the house's budget, um, w- which was a pretty good amount to see come out of the house, so we were really happy with that. To see a large amount in the house budget come out, the, you know, the governor had had suggested five million towards that fund, um, and then. You know, that was cut. That's, that's the process. You know, When you go through budgeting process, everybody has to have priorities. The budget is now in the Senate. So it came over there with the House's line, and then the Senate has their chance to amend it. Um, I have a good indication that the Senate will probably increase that number quite a bit. Now, what that final number will end up at, I'm not sure yet, but I do think we'll see a good, healthy number in the budget. And the great news about that is it will all go towards that broadband fund, which we fought for last year, to help facilitate broadband into unserved areas of the state. Um, and so by getting that ball rolling, it'll allow DED and the and the the Office of, of Broadband to start to do the work that we hoped that they would be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done a lot of good work out there advocating and talking about why broadband is important and teaching communities why they should be uh, pushing. Um, but this is what they were really there to do, yeah. is try to facilitate broadband into those very tough-to-reach areas. And the quicker we can get money into their hands and let that process start to work, um, the better off we're all going to be, um, because they need that. That's that's yeah. why they were put in place. There's
0: only so much you can do without the money in, in
1: place. So. Unfortunately, that is the fact. <laughs> the and, reality. and this, you know, you hear from people that understand broadband that that amount of money, single-digit millions, doesn't go a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That shouldn't stop us from doing something. Yeah, we gotta uh, get started. Missouri's never going to have the the hundreds of millions just to pour towards broadband deployment. Um, that's not the way our state works. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see if it works, and then you know, take baby steps forward. Uh, but this will be a good, healthy step in that direction.
0: Yeah, and another issue related to broadband, which is digital infrastructure for the future, is. Our transportation infrastructure, and that is something that's been the center of conversation over the past couple of months, and it seems like we're actually seeing some action, uh, some resolution on the debate on that.
1: Yeah, you know, the governor um, introduced his bonding proposal in his um, state of the state address, which was to do $350 million in bonding for 250 bridges, replacements across the state. That was met with mixed reactions in the Senate, in the in the legislature. Some said, you know, great plan. That's a good way to infuse a bunch of money into a need, and some said that's not the way we should go. Um, the House said, let's fund it through general revenue, and they offered 100 million dollars in general revenue and promised to do that over several years. The Senate is taking another approach, where they have, um, well, interestingly enough, this came up. Tuesday night, I believe, and didn't end until Wednesday morning. We had a good, healthy, several-hour filibuster on the Senate floor um, talking about what we should do about transportation. In the end, they didn't come to a resolution that night, but both parties came back to the table, as often happens in the Senate, and came to a compromise, Mm -hmm. and the compromise isn't going to give everybody all of what they wanted. Um, But one thing that should be noted is the MoDOT was using this grant money as um, the local portion towards what's called an infra grant um, from the federal government for transportation. And that money was going to be used towards and will be used uh, towards major projects like possibly the Rocheport Bridge, Um, because currently Missouri doesn't have a funding mechanism to be able to do that project. It's going to be over two hundred million dollars for that project and we don't have the money to do it Mm -hmm. if the bridge fell right now other than the fact it would be an emergency we wouldn't be able to just go out with the funds we have and replace it this grant money would get us a long way towards that so it's important that we do the bonding in order to be able to prove to the federal government we're doing our local impact in order to be able to pull those grant money grant dollars down so what they did was they came to a compromise in the Senate and said okay if these bonds are important for the grant then we'll do them. But if we don't get the grant, then we won't do the bonding. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see how that continues to move forward. But I think it kind of makes sense. If you need the grant dollars to get the bond, then let's make sure we're not doing one without the other. And this would infuse um, close to similar dollars. They cut the timing of the bond down from 10 years to 7 years. So it's more of an investment per year, but you're paying less in interest. Um, so, So doing some inserting some conservative values into that, but still allowing that one-time infusion of funds. Now, the one thing I do like to point out on this is this doesn't fix our, fun, our transportation funding issue. Yeah, not even close. It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. And I want to make sure everybody that listens and knows that is this is a great deal, yes. Will we do a lot of needs around the state? Yes. But this doesn't address the long-term funding need for transportation. What we need is a lasting, continual funding to fund the year-to-year needs of the state. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't do that. Yeah. It is a great plan. Is it better than nothing? Absolutely. Um, do we support it? Yes. Um, but it doesn't fix the long-term funding needs for the state.
0: Yeah. Well, let's turn our attention to um, an issue that everybody listening, I'm sure, cares a lot about, which is property rights. Um, the, the couple of issues that you've been working on for that have really um, come up to the top of everybody's minds in the past, in the, in the past few days, because There's going to be some action next week in a rally that we're going to talk about a little bit um, on these two bills. But the first one is uh, House Bill 1062, which Jim Hansen, the representative from Pike County, um, just northwest of St. Louis and south of Hannibal, um, introduced, and that is a, a bill that would address um, imminent domain concerns. Can you tell us a little about what that bill does?
1: Yeah, so Representative Hansen has had House Bill 1062 since early in session and has filed similar legislation in the past. Missouri Farm Bureau has always been a supporter of this, but previously when we talked to legislators, they would say, Oh, well, that's at the PSC and they'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so, it, for lack of a better phrase, they kind of said, You know, th- that's on them, not on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but over spring break, while the legislature was on spring break, the PSC did act. And to no surprise to us, they granted basically the power of eminent domain uh, to clean line energy for their grain belt um, transmission line. Mm-hmm. And, and what that is, for everybody that knows, is a merchant transmission line whose main goal is to bring wind power from Kansas to Indiana and parts further east from Indiana. Their main goal is not to serve Missouri citizens. In their initial filing, they even said, we are not a typical utility. We are working outside of that realm, and we are working outside of that regulatory framework. Now, traditionally in Missouri, if you're not a regulated re- utility by the state, um, you don't get the power of domain. Mm-hmm. If you want to build a transmission line, you can, but you have to work with each landowner along the way to be able to do that. Um, so House Bill 1062 would say that no above ground transmission line uh, offering direct current power uh, should have the power of eminent an domain. And so that is to get directly at these types of projects who are using direct current because it's more stable and it's not intended for use along the line. Um, and, and we want to make sure that as we move forward as a state, that these merchant lines who would like to bring cheap power across our state um, to the east coast, to the to the power-hungry states um, aren't using Missouri's land on a cheap basis if they want to come across here that's fine but they need to pay fair fair market value and not have the power in a domain to do so you know the truth is um, when you look at these types of projects Arkansas said no to it previously Iowa has said no thank you to it as well and so if Missouri becomes the state of, of least resistance This won't be the only power line that chooses Mm -hmm. to come across northern Missouri where there's not a lot of trees, there's not a lot of changes in elevation, Uh, will become a power highway for people who choose. To take advantage of our laws to take people's property in order to get gains from basically Indiana and parts east of there. So it's a major property rights issue. We've been pushing back on it. Farm Bureau, the landowners groups in northern Missouri, other agricultural organizations have been saying no, thank you to this. Um, And so, luckily, since that PSC decision, uh, we've gotten a lot of attention from the legislature. Mm -hmm. The legislature was relatively shocked by this PSC decision you know they hadn't been following as closely as our people had um, and they were shocked that a, um, a for-profit private for profit company was given the power of eminent domain over Missouri landowners um, and said no thank you. Yeah. And so we've seen some quick action by the legislature and we appreciate that. We expect that bill to come to the House floor next week and we expect them to take fast action on it. Uh, we think that the House will take up and pass that bill next week um, and we are going to be going in force to show our support of that bill. So we're excited about it. Um, it's it's unfortunate that it's come with this kind of timing, um, but we are excited for the state to say no thank you to this. And just to be clear,
0: this bill would not say that You can't build one of these transmission lines at all. It just says if you're a private company that wants to put in a private line, that's fine, but you got to pay for the rights to. That's exactly right. You don't get to use government powers to condemn property to get on the cheap.
1: That's exactly right. You know, and when it comes to wind power, the size of these kind of towers aren't all that different from the size of some of the wind turbines we've seen. Um, And the people that are hosting those are relatively happy because they're being offered fair market value. They're getting yearly payments. They've negotiated those on their own. Mm -hmm. You know and I know that if a company has the power to emit domain, they're not coming in giving fair negotiations, yeah. they're saying you either do this or we can force your hand. Um, and so that's where that's where the landowners and ourselves get uh, sensitive to it for sure.
0: Yeah, understandably and rightfully. so. Um, so the last item that we're going to talk about also is an item that relates to property rights and that is uh, about animal agriculture. Senate bill 391, the Mike Bernsketter from here in Cole County, Jefferson City area. Is carrying. Um, tell us what that one is about and where it stands to.
1: Yeah, Senate Bill 391 uh, relates to county health ordinances. It says that no county um, should pass a local ordinance or regulation that is more stringent than DNR regulations. Um, and so that is to ensure that the state of Missouri, as far as agriculture goes, um, doesn't see a patchwork of regulations across the state where some things are allowed in certain counties and not in others. Um, We know the DNR regulations are based on sound science, they are not based on emotion, and one thing that is uh, for sure important is they're also not related to one specific operation wanting to come into a local area. They base theirs on making sure that these are good sound science for the entire state. Um, and so Missouri Farm Bureau has had policy in this direction for a long time. This is not something new to us, but wanting to make sure that regulations are kept at the state level um, and based on sound science and making sure that we do have a clean environment, that things are being done correctly, um, but mean, making sure that animal agriculture, because that's what typically these ordinances are aimed at, um, are, are done under sound science and within DNR's regulations. Yeah,
0: and a lot of these counties that have instituted local ordinances have used arguments to say things like, oh, well, if you just have a, a statewide policy, a statewide regulation, then you're not taking into account the local needs and the very specific topography and water situation that we have in our local area. But then when you look at the bills they pass, it's like a cut-and-paste uh, stamp, you know, rubber stamp thing from some other place that just banned animal agriculture, essentially. And so the point is not to tailor it to their local areas, just to keep it out of their local area because they don't want it in their backyard.
1: You're exactly right. I could tell you the county, but I won't. (laughs) But what we've heard on multiple times is that County Y says, oh, they stopped this operation from coming. Go get me County X's ordinances. Right. And that's what they look to implement. Yeah, not we
0: have such a unique situation here that needs to be addressed properly and tailored. That's not not at all what they're doing. Not that we have the
1: karst topography of Perry County or something like that. That's not what we're hearing. That's not what actually happens on the boots on the ground. Um, The truth is these operations aren't, um, these, the newer operations aren't what people may picture when they think of animal agriculture. Mm-hmm. It may be interesting to introduce them to what these new facilities look like. They, they, they aren't open pit. They're very much right. different. Um, DNR regulates them very closely. The largest ones are monitored on a very continual basis. Um, Missouri has a good track record when it comes to these operations. The other side will tell you differently, mm-hmm. but that's not the truth. When you really look at the track record of the state of Missouri, we have a good track record with these operations. Um, those that are regulated by DNR are good actors. DNR will tell you the same thing. Um, Missouri's waters are clean. Our environment is in good shape. Um, and, and as President Hirsch pointed out in one of his most recent, you can look at counties that have ordinances and counties that don't, and you don't see this vast difference between one and the other. Right. The truth is animal agriculture and humans are able to uh, work in the same places all across the state, um, and these uh, ordinances are largely used um, – by I hate to say it, but activists that don't want to see this type of agriculture going on, yeah. um, and, and they use it under the emotional guise of of uh, county health. Yeah,
0: and they do it as a backdoor way to zone yep. where agriculture is not allowed to be zoned in yep. their in their county, and so they just um, pretend as though this is oh tailored to the local area's needs and it's about health for the local population. When in reality, it has absolutely zero to do with that. And it shows by the things that they've said, like you were talking about, where they just said, whatever we have to do to keep it away, let's do it. Yeah. And um, so that just kind of proves the point. Well,
1: so we're in good shape. Senate Bill 391 uh, made it out of committee. It's on the calendar for floor debate. Uh, we hope to get some floor time soon um, so that these, some of these issues can be hashed out on the Senate floor. Um, this is a um, an emotional issue for several. Um, it probably won't be the easiest thing we've ever seen move across the Senate floor. We don't expect it to be, um, but we are excited to be having these conversations. Um, as we've said all along, Missouri agriculture wants to make sure we have clean water and clean air, but we also want to have clear regulations that are based on sound science. And that's what Senate Bill 391 does. Um, you, you know when DNR makes rules, we all get a chance to have comment on those and make sure that they are within the works and that they work for these different kinds of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think 391 is um, will go a long way towards protecting animal agriculture. The other thing to point out is, um, you know, when we look at the future of agriculture in the state of Missouri, one of those things that's most important is that we be able to keep our value-added agricultures here, and one of the best ways we can do that is by having more animal agriculture where we're having the finished product right here in the state of Missouri. Um, That's been an issue that's been pushed by governors from both parties for Mm -hmm. several years in the past, Um, and Senate Bill 391 will alleviate one of the major issues that stops animal agriculture Agriculture from expanding in the state. Yeah, it
0: really is better to keep those food sources local, and that's a way that we can help do that um, and make it easier to do so through the legislative
1: process. That's exactly right.
0: So we do have some people coming to um, help support these bills next week on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, What about uh, what's going on with that uh, that rally?
1: So Senate Bill or... uh, Tuesday morning, we're going to get together and we're going to go to the Capitol and advocate for these issues um, that are vital to Missouri agriculture. We're going to go walk the halls. We're going to have several members here. Um, Please come and visit, uh, work with your legislators, talk to them about the issues and why they matter to you. Another um, opportunity for that is on our website through our Action Center. Let your legislators know. Um, I'll be honest with you, the other side of these issues are working very hard, they're contacting their legislators. So those folks that are involved in animal agriculture and in, and uh, that care much about their property rights, get out there and contact your legislators. Let them know that these two issues are important to you. We're gonna be facilitating that um, on Tuesday. Um, we're gonna have several of the ag organizations in the Capitol, we're also gonna have a property rights rally at two o'clock um, in the Capitol Rotunda where we're gonna be talking about House Bill uh, 1062 and talking about why we need to make sure that private for-profit companies don't have the power to take um, individuals property in the state of Missouri. So it's going to be a busy day. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we've got some, as you've heard, as we've talked through these issues, there's a lot of great issues out there, but we've got two major ones. Our top priorities um, still hanging out there with a lot of time left. There's enough time, but there's not a lot of time.
0: And, so and we if need you can to see, make it, to move if you can't make it to that rally, it's still good to give a phone call to your representative and senator, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. We want to make sure that all of our members are engaged um, and let their legislators know how they feel and that these issues are top priority to them, too.
0: Mm -hmm. And, again, go to our action center at MOFB.org if you uh, want to get those action alerts. So it makes it even easier for you to send in your comments to your congressman, your state rep, your state senator, uh, and your U.S. senator. Uh, but just by clicking on the MOFB Action Center, you can sign up, and it takes about a minute. Yep. Um, so definitely encourage you to do that, whether you're able to be there in person or not. All right. Well, BJ, appreciate the work you're doing over there,
1: and uh, hope you get some sleep. Yeah. yeah, thanks. We'll get that in May.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope you can meet us in person next Tuesday at the State Capitol for that property rights rally. If you'd like more information about it, please get a hold of us here at the home office. We'd love to have you be a part of it. We will talk to you next week.